It had been an interesting three days for the disciples. A couple of days earlier, they had received word that John the Baptist was killed. And when they received that word, they were kind of stunned and overwhelmed. And so they decided amongst themselves that they would go to a private place and they would kind of mourn and regroup. And so they took one of Peter's fishing boats and they launched the boat and the Sea of Galilee is up in the northern part and if you kind of see the cross it would be up uh, in the round part there would be the Sea of Galilee and up on the top part is kind of wilderness and over on the right is the place where the prodigal son went to a far city And over on the left is kind of where Peter lived. And so what they decided to do was to get in the boat and take off and go to kind of a private place that probably Peter and some other of the disciples knew. And there have a a retreat. Well, as they got into the boat, some people who were in the town had a suspicion of where they were going. And so they decided to kind of walk around and get there. And as they walked, some people were saying to them, well, where are you going? And they said, well, we're going to go and we think Jesus is up here. And so eventually a whole crowd gathered at about 5,000 people and they they got the boat on the shore and there were all these people and the disciples were kind of uptight a little bit. And uh, Jesus began to do his thing, and he began to heal people and talk to people. And it got to be evening, and the disciples said, okay, we've had enough. Send these people home. It's time to get something to eat, and and they're going to have to find their supper someplace, you know, get McDonald's or Wendy's or whatever on the way, but we don't have enough. And Jesus said to them, well, you feed them. And that's the story that just precedes the story that we have. And, of course, the disciples said, we don't have enough. And he said, what do you have? And you know the story, how 5,000 men plus women and children were, were fed and there were baskets of food left over. And now we pick up the story, and the first line here is interesting. Then he made the disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side. I think Jesus had enough of the disciples. You know, he, he couldn't handle it anymore. And he said, look, you guys just get out of here and I need some time alone. You ever need time alone? Well, that's what happened. And so the story continues. And because of how that Lake of Galilee is located, it's up there on the north and there are mountains on the north. But there's a, there's a valley where the cities are on the west side and the wind comes through that valley, and if it comes up in a big, strong storm, it's very hard to get from the top back down there to the west where they had launched the boat, and so the disciples are struggling. And they're rowing as hard as they can, and as hard as they row, it seems like they get two strokes forward, and the wind pushes them one stroke back. And then in the midst of this, unexpectedly, they see this figure walking on the water, and they're afraid. And it's Jesus. Not only afraid, they're terrified. They're scared to death. And they don't know what to do. And so now let's, let's fast forward a little bit. 
2,000 years. And what does this story have to say to us? I don't know about you, but oftentimes my plans are disrupted. You know, you were told that I have a new granddaughter, Allie. She was supposed to be born two days from now. (laughs) I had all kinds of plans, you know. We had all kinds of plans. Gina had all kinds of plans. Matt had all kinds of plans. Didn't work out that way. It seems that life is filled with its own disruptions. That's what the disciples experienced. The other thing that seems to happen is that the Spirit speaks to us at unexpected times. In the midst of a storm. You know, now, now we're Presbyterians, aren't we? You know, and Reformed, and that's close. And, and intellectually, theologically, we know the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And we know that the Holy Spirit came after Jesus left, and it was necessary for Jesus to leave so that the Spirit could come and give his power. But we get a little nervous with this Spirit stuff. You know, we're not Pentecostal. And when the Spirit speaks to us, it's kind of scary stuff. In fact, at times it can be terrifying. And the problem with the Spirit is it doesn't always go according to our time tempo, and it doesn't always speak to us when we think the Spirit should speak. It's, it's the wind. It blows where it wills, and then it touches us at different times and in different places. Give me Jesus. In the morning, give me Jesus. An old Negro spiritual. Sometimes the Spirit speaks to an anthem like that. Sometimes the Spirit speaks when we're walking along or alone on a beach. And the sun is setting or the sun is rising. And we're overwhelmed by the beauty And the Spirit of God seems to be right there and seems to be telling us something. Sometimes it happens alone or at night. No one else is around. Sometimes it comes as a light. Sometimes it comes as a voice. Sometimes it just comes as a deep, overwhelming feeling. And it's scary. I mean, we live in the 21st century. I have a a high school diploma. I've graduated from college. I have some master's degrees. What is all this stuff? I don't understand it. And at times, I'm not even sure I believe it, but it's real. And it's scary. And so we, like the disciples 2,000 years ago, cry out, Sometimes just silently, what is going on? And is it real? Or is this simply a figment of my imagination? And my emotions running out of control? And we doubt. And we want confirmation. We want to be sure that this is real. 
that God really does exist, and not only exists, but God speaks to us and guides us and has a plan for our life. And so we put up a fleece. Now, each of us have our own types of fleeces, but of course, for Peter, it was, if you're real, tell me to come. then a scary thing happens because Jesus says come now what does Peter do and what do we do when the answer is this is real And for Peter, it meant that he had to take one foot and put it over the gunnel, and then he had to take the other foot and take it over the gunnel of the boat. So let's fast forward 2,000 years. And what's your boat? You see, God created us all differently. And in a sense, we all have different boats, don't we? The world looks different down here for Peter in the water than it did up there in the boat. What's the Spirit saying to you today? What is it that God is asking you to do that you're not quite sure that it's God speaking? And you really have doubts anyway that I should do this Because it's really scary if you're an extrovert and you're asked to go off in silence. Or an introvert and you're asked to be part of a sharing group. Or if you like things intellectual and people want to talk about touchy-feely, What's your boat? Where is it that the Spirit's touching you in your life at this moment, at this time, and in this place? My suspicion is that it hasn't been the first time. Because quite frankly, God doesn't leave us alone. If we don't get out of the boat the first time, There'll be another time. So I I struggle with my boat. It's a struggle of faithfulness. 
You know, I don't know when God speaks to you or his spirit grabs hold of your heart or your mind. If it's during a newscast, during a particular horrific experience with children or loss of life or disaster. Or if it's when you're alone and you're reading your Bible, a particular passage leaps out at you. Or when Derek's preaching a sermon and suddenly you forget about everything he said except that one phrase, that one word, that one concept that won't let you go. And then it's decision time, isn't it? Do I take my foot and put it over the gum? And I had to take my other foot, put it over the gun. And then I'm walking on water, aren't I? Now, you know, I would love to rewrite this sermon. I'd love to rewrite scripture and say, once you get out there and you're walking on water, it lasts forever. But it doesn't. Because what happened to Peter, in all probability, may happen to you, because it happens to me. I get out of the boat, and I'm doing fine for a while, but the water keeps getting higher. David. Read the story of David. Can you go back that far almost 3,000 years ago now? Put your place, put yourself in the place of David, this young, snot-nosed kid, if you will. Barely able to shave. And taking care of sheep. His father sends him to take some lunch to his brother's And there comes this great big gorilla of a guy out and challenges the army and he says, don't be afraid, I'll do it. Right. And he did. He got out of the boat and he walked on water. And Goliath is dead. Now, that's not the end of the story, though. Because David got wet with Bathsheba, didn't he? You know, the unique thing about this story is that when Peter began to sink, God reached out his hand, and he was there. And he'll be there when you begin to sink also. And when I sink. You know, the Bible, the Bible tells us stories. And the stories aren't always about success. The heroes of our faith are not people who didn't make mistakes. The heroes of our faith are people who got out of the boat. And understood that God was with them 
whether they were successful or they began to sink. May God give us the courage and the strength to respond when he has come and get out of the boat so we can walk on water the way he intended us to walk. Amen? Amen. Amen. Amen.